Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes Nick, episode 21. Today we will uh, commemorate or celebrate Wolverine number one. And I have uh, some special goodness lined up for you, so I hope you enjoy our little treat today on this episode. Um, of course, I'm your host, Jason Minimal, and we're not as always, but as of the last few episodes, I am a member of the uh, Comet Podcast Network, so be sure to give them some love, and um, without further ado, alright, here we go! from the, the Sklar Bros. We got some lady energy up in here today. Lady energy. That's right. This podcast got a lot sexier. Of course it did. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, well you may hear a new voice on the microphone and that's because we got a new voice. We're going to go over Wolverine number one and of course I am your regular host, Jason Minimal. But I also have joining me my fiance, Denise Seibert. Shh, you're not supposed to tell people that. Oh. Uh, this strange woman, Denise Seibert, who I picked up on the corner. I can't really say that either. No, please don't say that either. <laughs> anyway, say hello, Denise. Hello, Denise. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. This is gonna be that kind of episode. We're gonna go all airplane. Of course. Don't call me Shirley. Okay, Shirley. <laughs> no, I said don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shirley. <sighs> going to be a long episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, i just like to note that he's the one that proposed to me <laughs> and not the other way around. That's true. Anyway, I wanted to get a uh, fresh perspective. Uh, like I said, we're going to cover Wolverine number one, the uh, latest incarnation for Marvel now. You know, the, the last regular solo Wolverine series ended a couple of months ago, and here we are with a brand spanking new issue, starting all over. So I wanted to get a... Uh, fresh perspective on it and uh, we have Denise is kind of a relative newbie to comics um, oh come on the cherries aren't even popped <laughs> no 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 so <laughs> anyway um, yeah so well, let's talk about your uh, comics experience or inexperience you've actually read a comic that I haven't got around to reading yet which I should have blasphemy blasphemy yes and the, the listeners of this podcast will be disappointed in me for this but you can be proud of her so you can take all your disappointment in me and just turn it around and be proud of her well but she has read what do you read you read you've read Every issue of Walking Dead. That's correct. Hotness points. <laughs> that's right. She gets bonus points for that. But that's pretty much the only comic you really read, right? Yeah, sorry. I'm sort of a monogamous kind of girl. <laughs> okay. So you're cheating on The Walking Dead tonight? 
I, I am. I, I'm Bluesy. <laughs> you made me. That's right. I coerced you. Well, obviously that's pretty badass that you read Walking Dead, and I don't. But I'll, you know, I'll catch up. I'm gonna get some trades here. Maybe for Christmas that would be a, a good thing. To... Is that a hint? <laughs> it might be a hint. Um, anyway, um, now let's talk about uh, the character at hand. Of course, we're talking about Wolverine number one. So what is your exposure slash knowledge base for Wolverine? Like, What do you know about him and how, how much do you know? Okay, so this is where I'm going to lose my hotness points because <laughs> okay. the most that I know about Wolverine is that very little from the standpoint of the cartoon that okay, was yeah from the 90s correct and then obviously the movies right which i have to say the cartoon wolverine versus the movie wolverine let's just say the cartoon version of wolverine left me a little bit um he's trying to act hot and he's not really <laughs> hot to but, the movie version where okay he is hot well yeah but he, i mean they do have hugh jackman in the role so that always helps he's a even even I, as a as a perfectly straight guy, I would say he's he's a pretty uh, good looking dude. So you got a man crush? Well, no, he's not. He's not Matt Damon. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know I have a man crush. I, By the maybe way, maybe the the listenership does not know. I kind of have a man crush on Matt Damon. Uh, so. Oh, um, yeah. So we need to talk after this podcast. <laughs> I think I need to call off the wedding. Okay. What if I said Ryan Gosling was right behind him? I do. Okay, I personally admit that you kind of look like him. So, yes. Does that mean you have a crush on yourself? It is. Well, I I don't know if I agree with that assessment, but if I did, then it would just fit my narcissism. So, as long as you're not a malignant narcissist, we're fine. Right. Right. Um, okay. Well, so yeah. So the cartoon, which we need, I need to see if that's on Netflix or anything. Maybe we can uh, watch that with Ethan. Because I, I haven't watched it since probably 10th grade, so I don't know if it's any good anymore or not. I liked it back in the day. I just but. remember Wolverine always trying too hard. Right. And and also thinking he was hot when he wasn't, because he was a slightly cherry, uh, hairy Chewbacca. Chewbacca. <laughs> I wouldn't quite call him a Wookiee. Um, but, um, He's pretty damn close. I think it was my friend Johnny in college used to say he was a, uh, he called him the hairy little troll. Yeah, I give him a bridge. And they don't really talk about it in this issue, but Wolverine's supposed to be kind of short. Like, I think he's 5'5". Five five. It's like his file card. Well, they don't have file cards. And G.I. Joe had file cards. But I guess his, like, dossier height is listed at 5'5". Five five. So, I mean, he is kind of... He's and, almost as tall as me. Yeah. And so, <laughs> he's taller than you, babe. <laughs> Everybody's taller than me. And artists draw him differently. Some people like really accentuate his shortness, and some people just draw him more normal. But um, anyway, all right. So um, anything else you'd like to say about uh, Wolverine before you read this issue? Or does that pretty much cover it? That pretty much covers it. Okay. Well, that said, let's dive right in. Um, we have Wolverine number one. Let's go to the credits here, flip a few pages. Um, it is written by Paul Cornell. And, of course, you may know him from DC. He did some Superman stuff, particularly a pretty solid run on action comics, even though that mostly focused on Lex Luthor, but, you know, whatever. Um, Alan Davis is a penciler. Of course, he's one of the, the big guns at Marvel. Mark Farmer is the inker. Matt Hollingsworth is the colorist. VCs Corey Pettit is the letterer. 
and then Davis Farmer, and then a different colorist, Jason Keith, did the cover. I gotta say right off the bat, I really, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of Alan Davis. I probably don't like him quite as much as every, like some people do, but I do like him a lot. And I love his Wolverine. So I just want to kind of clear the air of that. Um, so Denise, let's look at the cover first. What did you think of the cover? Well, first of all, so the, your listeners, viewers, right? They kind of understand a little bit of my background. I'm actually a creative director for a small ad agency. So basically, yeah, I get so paid to I, doodle. Right. Or as I like to say, you're a Don Draper without the alcoholism or the infidelity. Correct. Right. But I get paid like Peggy. <laughs> right. You don't have to include that part. Oh, uh, well. Let, let some people fantasize about how rich we aren't. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, so the one of the things that intrigued me... I can me, use some sponsors for the podcast, by the way. <laughs> Speaking of rich and not rich. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, what were you, what were you saying? Uh, you, you're you're plugging for sponsors. Oh, yeah. Give me give me some sponsors. Well, let's see. We we like beer. Shiner. Shiner would be a great sponsor. And cupcake I, wine. Okay, cupcake wine or any wine. Any wine works. Not one, maybe not Boone's. Unless your Boone's is listening and they want to sponsor, then I'll, I'll take that. But we'll just put them at the bottom <laughs> right. of the podcast list. Yeah. Uh, but so basically one of the things I found interesting about the cover is if you look at it, it's all primary colors. Right. Which from an art perspective, you got to know your shit to pull that off without looking baby Einstein. Right. So the fact that they use primary colors, the fact that the claws kind of twirl around the typography is very intriguing to me. And then also you've got the linear lines kind of moving in different directions. You know, they come from the top, they come from the side, which gives Wolverine, especially the way he's drawn in a force perspective, this view that he's spiraling through the air. Well, yeah, and, and one of Alan Davis's strengths for sure is his uh, dynamic sense of motion in this cover definitely captures that um when you say the like you know talking about the primary colors i feel like the use of shadow and shading really kind of makes that pop it's interesting because yes it does make it pop but what i also find is how his colors fade down to his legs yeah yes thinking about that actually which um is interesting because you know if if you're actually taking a photograph of someone and if you've got your f-stop and your aperture just right your colors will fade as you get further away from your subject okay so it's interesting how he kind of took all these principles of forced perspective photography and whatnot and kind of melded them together right awesome well i I mean alan davis is he's been doing this a long time so he's a uh a seasoned veteran. I'm sure he knows his stuff. So I'm sure all of that was intentional. Now, I do find one thing interesting on the cover is how big the number one is. And maybe that's just because reading Walking Dead, their numbers are very tiny up in the corner. Right. They don't make a big deal of what issue it is. Well, and you won't see that on all comics. I think this is kind of trying to call attention to where we are. Like, you'll see it. Like, number ones, you'll see it a lot. Um, like 50, any issue that ends in 100, like 100, 200, etc. Um, they're going to call attention to the number. They call those like anniversary issues. So I think this is just a way to uh, to call out, you know, hey, Wolverine number one is ready. As long as they're not trying to, you know, overcompensate. Like in right. Texas, you know, the bigger the belt buckle. 
Everything's bigger in Texas. Of course it is. That's uh, what they want you to think. No, no, no. <laughs> Just because you're a transplant. I am a transplant, <laughs> but hey, what can I say? That's right. Okay, well, hey, so um, before we dive into the issue, you know, since you don't, aren't super familiar with the character and you don't read a lot of comics, let's say, though, you, you went to the store and you wanted to try a comic book, but you didn't really know what to try. If you saw this cover on this shelf with no history with the character, when this when this cover in and of itself catch your eye, would it um? Would it know, intrigue would, me? Would it intrigue? Would it make you want to pick it up and look through it? I I think so. Just because there it it's a dynamic. There is a lot of action going on. I do as a as an artist myself find it really interesting how he was able to use the primary colors without. If I pointed this out to someone else, hey, he used primary colors. Your first inclination would be what? Really? So the fact that he pulled this off, yes, it it makes me want to read it, especially being a number one. I'm curious to see, you know, my only, so to speak, uh, experience with a number one comic was the Walking Dead comic, which, you know, set things up very well. So I'd be very curious to see how are they setting this up? Where is this taking off? Where is this jumping off from? Okay. Well, let's see where we jump off from. Let's uh, dive into the issue, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So we open up to a nice uh, full-page splash. Um, and it's got Wolverine laying on a pile of bones. And he's obviously been burnt on one side. His clothes are ripped. Um Notice that his hand is burnt off, his, his right hand, and you see the adamantium bone fingers and his claws are extended. And he's got this nice glow on him. So the one thing I, I, I want to point out, first of all, for your readers, is that you're looking at the actual comic. Right. And I'm actually looking at the comic on the iPad. Yes, so I, I gave her my digital code. So what I find interesting is, you know, Wolverine's got these ambers kind of glowing off of him. But from an artistic standpoint, I actually enjoy the printed comic rather than the electronic version. I feel like it gives more life to how Wolverine is feeling, whereas the iPad, it's very intense and the colors are very vibrant. And so there's almost an unrealism to it. Okay. Uh, so it is interesting because your glowing embers look like glowing embers and mine actually look like little, when they're shooting out of the iPad. Yeah. They're, yeah. they look like little, you know, orbs floating <laughs> off of them. Right on. Okay. I gotta say, I'm really right from the get go. Um, just Alan Davis puts me in his corner because this face on Wolverine is fantastic. He looks super scared. And he's like, uh, it, it, it's okay. I'm a, I'm a superhero. Like he just, he looks really worried. And, and you may not have caught this, but as, as a longtime Wolverine fan, this is a, a facial expression on Wolverine that I'm not used to. So right from the beginning, for me, like I, I want to turn this page and see what the hell is going on that has Wolverine so scared and so worried, because I'm, we're not used to seeing that. I mean. He has a healing factor. He has unbreakable bones. He pretty much charges into every scene. You know, he's a very gung-ho character and has been since his first appearance. 
Well, and I, I will say that, you know, first of all, he's laying on a pile of bones. Right, right. So that kind of gives you this feeling of... Something what, horrible is going on. Right, what is going on? And second of all, you know, in the, the lower right-hand corner of the page, you're, he's obviously talking to somebody. So I'm intrigued to see who exactly is he talking to. Right. Well, yeah, so when I first read this, I couldn't turn the page fast enough. That face... And, and the fact that it's all one panel, so you only get that one scene. Yeah, I just, I was like, all right, let's get in it. And so we do turn the page. And we see a kid, and he looks uh, kind of nervous. He's like, Dad, Dad was going to get me some new sneakers. And Wolverine's like, I need you to try something. It's very important. Okay, so let me just interject my own sort of artistic, colorist okay. point of view. Yeah, go for it. So it's intriguing because while Wolverine looks very concerned about this child and the child sort of has a very worried look on his face, I don't trust this kid as far as I can throw him. <laughs> First of all, he's uh, he's got a green sweatshirt on and the shirt underneath is kind of this purpley hue. Okay. Which anyone who studied art or knows anything about color theory would know that when you mix green and purple together, that's sort of the color of mischief, evil... Uh, okay, so like the Joker or the Green Goblin. Exactly. Both, both purple and green for, for a comic reference for my well, fans. Right, and if, if you think about Halloween, Frankenstein is green, uh, Dracula usually has a purple cape, you know, so... Okay. It, the Count was purple. Well, the Count, that's in Sesame Street, babe. He's evil, right? right. One! Two! No, just, so... And the fact that the way the kid's kind of standing, he seems nervous, but I just don't trust him. I, I know that I should feel empathetic to the kid because obviously something's going on and Wolverine asks him to do something that's kind of horrible in and of itself. Right, yeah, I was about to get to that. But I was going to say, you, so you, with your kind of interpretation of his design and color, were ticked off, to, or not ticked off, tipped off to something that completely went over my head because I was so, and we're about to talk about what Wolverine asked him to do. I was so concerned about that that I had no suspicion of the kid at all. Like all I could think about was putting myself as a soon-to-be parent in those shoes and thinking, what what is so wrong that Wolverine's about to ask this kid? And what what Wolverine asked him to do is Wolverine asked the kid. To hide under the skeletons and pretend like he's dead. Which nobody in any... Obviously, this is comic books. And circumstances are never quote-unquote normal. But even in the world of comics, you're not going to ask a kid to hide under decaying skeletons and pretend they're dead unless something is just massively horrible going on. So to me, I missed like the color scheme. It just went straight to... Be worrying about this kid. My kind of parental feelings overwhelm me a little bit. You know, I, I just got really concerned and really worried about what was going on. Was something really bad about to happen to this kid? I was. I I missed. I guess kind of what you were hinting at and what will kind of play out through the story because I was so concerned with the situation and with Wolverine's facial expressions that that I couldn't see what you saw. Well, and I will say the colorist, again, did an amazing job by using the two colors that sort of 
should signal something is wrong. Right. Um, but in a very sort of muted palette. So it's not in your face. Hey, check out the kid. Something's up with him. But in his own little twist, you know, hey, anyone who gets it would kind of know this. I didn't color him like this for a happy accident. Right. Now, the colorist may have colored him for a happy accident. But if the colorist is out there, I would strongly suggest, no, you did it on purpose. <laughs> right. So Hollingsworth, if you're listening, good job and uh, take credit for it. Um, so, and we get this nice scene of the kid turning around, and Wolverine's explaining his healing factor to him. He says, I heal real fast. In a few minutes, I'll be able to help. Then we get an off-panel Alex, so we find out the kid's name. And we see our quote-unquote, well, not quote-unquote, our villain, we don't see his spaceship. We see him holding this gun that looks like... The head of an alien. Yeah, the head of an alien. It looks very space, sci-fi. And he's... Insectish. And he's basically disintegrating this guy, or this person. And I found it interesting that this person completely burned off all the flesh, but did not disintegrate the skeleton. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Though it definitely made for a cool visual. But he he's... His intention is turned. He's like, is something strange going on over there? And I also, uh, you had pointed out, um, you want to talk about the crowd? I, I do find it interesting. They're sort of uh, glowing. They've got little energy bands, I guess <laughs> yeah, would be a right word. calls them later. Yeah, yeah they, they sort of have these glow-in-the-dark little bands. And, and they're all very much terrified as to what is going on. Right. Um, but what I do find interesting in all of this is you know wolverine does sort of for anyone who has never read his comic by saying i heal fast he is giving you a little bit of background right a quick synopsis of what he can do right of at least one of his power sets so if you haven't read it before you know okay well that's kind of make a mental check note of this is like wolverine has a healing factor yeah if you don't know if that's what it's called or not you kind of get the gist Okay, so then we turn our page and we see the villain. And I was surprised he's not in a costume. No. And he just looks like an average old guy. Or not like old, but you know. He kind of looks like you. (laughs) In one breath you say I look like Ryan Gosling. In another breath you say I look at this ugly old dude. (laughs) Well, well, it's the hairline. (laughs) Yes, I am prematurely bald. I don't know if at 35 I can say premature anymore. I was going to say. But considering I started going bald at 25, I, I could have said it back then. Well, yeah, back then, like 10 years ago. <laughs> anyway, I was just really shocked at how plain this guy was. And here he is holding this super... He does kind of look like the neighbor next door. Yes. You know, the one that the borrows salesman, your... maybe. No, he's the no. guy that borrows your lawnmower and never gives it back. Or gives it back empty. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't refill the gas. Actually, you know who he looks like? Who? So for those of you out there who watch King of the Hill, he looks like Dale Gribble. Not quite as country, but yes. Yes, give yeah. him a bigger belt buckle and a cigarette and you're there. Right, and a hat. <laughs> I didn't catch that, but yeah. So he looks like he's from Garland. <laughs> Arlen, not Garland. Um, Arlen. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, awesome. So, um, anyway, he's perplexed because he walks over to Wolverine. Of course, the kid looks shocked and he's like, 
still alive and actually healing. And the kid's like, Dad? He goes, didn't think that was possible with these. So he has some kind of knowledge of the gun. And Wolverine, in classic Wolverine kind of sarcasm and smartass, says, uh, cool looking gun, pal. Where'd you get it? As, yeah. You know, as he's laying and can't get up. Right. So let's just piss off the guy with the weapon that we don't really know what it does other than incinerate you. Well, you know, when you know you can kind of bounce back from anything, it gives you a certain confidence. And I think, so even though Wolverine's laying on the ground and can't get up, he can still act tough. Right. (laughs) So anyway, the guy muses over how heavy his bones are and how unique he is. Wolverine's still confident too. He's like, aren't I just fascinating? He's like, indeed you are. Then he tries to, I guess, suffocate him or smother his face. Or you had thought something else. You thought he was... I I thought he was trying to bash his skull in. Okay. Like, can we actually... It's almost like in Walking Dead. Can we cut the head off and does it still live? Or do you need to take out the brain? (laughs) Okay, so he's trying to give him an aneurysm. (laughs) But in a very nicely drawn panel... Uh, Wolverine tries to bite his hand. He's like, eh, and this one bites. And, then, and he's got a nice uh, five o'clock shadow. Oh, always, yeah. He's he's animalistic. His hair grows really fast. So then the guy kind of is like, all right, so now... And then we get a weird panel where he kind of looks confused. He's like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Why? And he kind of starts to walk off. And so... I don't really know what's going on here. but So, um, my take on this was that there's sort of a hidden dialogue we're not seeing. For okay, example, like something's going on in his head and we're just not privy to it. Right, like I talk to myself all the time. I just right, don't right, answer right. back. <laughs> so, the, the same thing might be going on. Well, or it, So, we're hearing one side of a telephone call. Pretty much, okay. yeah. Or he's, there's, he's possessed or... Aliens are living in his head. I mean, this thing is alienistic that he's holding. Right. But I do get this sense that, you know, he kind of, for a second, snaps back to whatever. He's sort of possessed, snaps back to what's going on, and then whatever has a hold of him brings back to, hey, guess what? We need to incinerate people. It's playtime. Well, I didn't really catch that at all, but I, I like that theory a lot. Let's keep that in mind as we go through the book, because I think that may clarify some things down the line. But yeah, so anyway, the guy starts to walk off, and I think I think Wolverine kind of brings this next part upon himself. And I think the guy was literally just going to go do something else or take care of the rest of the hostages or whatever. And Wolverine had to open his big, fat mouth. <laughs> yes, he did. Like, okay, so you've seen how weird I am. That means I'm valuable, too. Only hostage you need. The guy's like, what? I don't need no hostages. Screw you. Well, that's because <laughs> if you look, there's skeletons out the wazuzu just yes. flittered and littered around. Apparently, this food court was uh, during uh, Christmas time. Or lunch hour. Yeah, or Labor Day sale. There's a lot of people at the mall. So So then he walks up, and we see the panel of the gun blasting Wolverine, and the kid looks horrified at what his dad is doing. And then we get it, we turn over, and we're uh, not interrupted, but we see we have the title page. It's a nice picture of Wolverine running kind of in... Dramatic pause. In space, yeah, a nice action pose. Then behind him, but not really where he is necessarily, is the New York skyline. 
Now, what I did find interesting about this panel is, you know, you've got the skyline behind him, and then you sort of have this grid system that falls below the skyline. And so I sort of took that as, you know, a, a roadmap, so to speak, of Manhattan. Okay. So, like, yeah, like the, the streets and the, or maybe the subways or whatever. Right. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the other thing that I found interesting is it... The name of this is called Hunting Season Part 1 of 4. Yes. So my first question was, A, what is he hunting? And B, is he the one being hunted? We will see. <laughs> Good question. So you're getting the hang of this comic thing. I, I've watched 100, or watched, read 100 and something episodes <laughs> right. of Walking Dead. All right, so then we flip outside, and the NYPD is there, and they've they've taped off the area, and they're they're getting the hostage negotiator ready. But this guy doesn't really want to talk, and um, so he just blasts a guy while they're on the phone. I thought it was interesting because we have like the people's ashes raining down, and the on the kid, the kid's crying, and and not to give it the same gravity, but it kind of reminded me of a Schindler's List. Uh -huh. with the, the kind of ashes kind of snow down on the camp. And so we kind of have like the the bits of these people kind of falling down or, and, the, and just the kids really disturbed. Well, and, and what I find interesting about this panel is it also gives you a little insight to whatever this weapon is that he has. Right. Because he's obviously, you know, there's three people lined up and he's blasting one of them. And yet, the other two people who are side by side of the person being blasted are within close proximity, I would have to say, less than three feet. Right. And yet, they're not being burned or injured in any way. No, they're, they're completely freaked out. Right. Like, which, but, I mean, the person in between you just turned into a skeleton, so obviously you would... So, but it, it it's intriguing, you know, if they're yes. not being burnt or... or getting a nice sunburn without the... It's obviously a very focused weapon with a very small blast radius. Now, I, I, I'm curious about the smell. <laughs> it smells horrible. Well, it's like it does in Walking Dead. I, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, for those women out there who've accidentally burned their hair on a flat iron or a curling iron, we all know how horrific that smells. So can you imagine just burning flesh and hair? Gross. Or maybe they were bald? <laughs> So it doesn't smell as bad? I don't know. Did we see these people earlier? Well, you, you see random bits of people. Yeah. Actually, what I find interesting, oh, if yeah, you flip back. Oh, yeah, he was It was, yeah, it was a bald guy in between the two women. In both, we have two scenes of the hostages, and it's the same guy in between those two girls both times. Well, and there's two bald guys, so... The, the All right, so no burning hair. Thank no burning God. hair. <laughs> anyway, so then we have a scene of, of black and the ashes falling down, and we see a skull. I thought it was really cool that the jaw was broken. Then we see Nate. We get our first shot of naked Wolverine. He's going to crawl out of the skeletons very slowly. Now I, he's starting to heal from complete disintegration. I will say what I found intriguing is, uh, you know, you've got the two little skinny panels off to the left hand side before you get the full view of Wolverine 
And uh, I kind of took that as that's Wolverine's sort of line of sight. This is what he's seeing as he's sort of coming to. Oh, so you, you took it as his vision was black. Yes. And then it kind of blurred into that. Well, and yeah, that skull is right in front of his face as he's yeah. crawling out. And if you look at the perspective, the bones are kind of right there curving along it or mm-hmm. the ones right in the bottom of that panel. Yeah. So almost like you see... What, what it looks sees. like as his eyes heal and kind of knit themselves back together. That's really cool. I didn't necessarily read it that way. That's a great insight. Thank you. That's because I'm brilliant. That's right. That's why you're marrying me. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, so that's really cool. So we see Wolverine's eyes kind of rewire themselves and kind of fade in from the black. Now, what I find interesting is, and I want to look at your comic real quick. Yeah, the way Wolverine is drawn, his eyes almost look like they're glowing like an animal. See, I always thought of him almost like just the whites of the eyes. Like his, he was so focused and so like primal that his eyes were kind of gone. I know that doesn't really happen, but that happens in kind of an artistic way. When people's minds are gone, they kind of show that by all white eyes or all, all solid color eyes. So to me, this kind of shows us that Wolverine is kind of, I don't know, on the the edge of of losing his cool. Well, that and also his pose is very animal-like. Yes. Uh, Like he's about to strike, you know, a cat slithering through the Getty. But uh, so that's why I kind of took it as the reflection of light on an eye to be more animalistic. Right, okay. Oh, so like when you see a cat at night or something right. like that. Okay, cool, gotcha. So anyway, he's kind of creeping up on the guy. The guy's still talking to the police on the phone. He decides to up the ante, and he points the space gun at his own son. And he tells the police officer he's going to kill his son, and there's nothing to talk about. Now what I find interesting is, in the panel, he's only got, theoretically, two and a half victims left because he's got the two women and he's got Wolverine. But up until this point, he kind of had more. So he's he's been on a uh, shooting frenzy. Yes. And I'm trying to flip it ahead real fast and see if we see any other victims at all. And we do not. So, yeah, apparently they are the only two left. So anyway, you see Wolverine kind of crouching up. He's getting healed. And when he hears the guy talk about killing his own son, he kind of closes his eyes in remorse. Just, I kind of took that panel, and I, I love that panel. I love Alan Davis's facial expression. Like Wolverine's like, he just can't, be, like, like, a, like he's lost faith in humanity kind of face. Like, and Wolverine's seen a lot. <laughs> he's probably had that face multiple times, but... Here he is, this guy's about to, to disintegrate his own son, and he just can't really believe this is happening. I, I kind of took it in sort of an opposite direction. I took it as, you know, Wolverine has has surveyed the situation and then realizes I, I have no other way to fix it except to take down this kid's dad. And so it's sort of that remorseful, okay, I've got to take down the kid's dad. This kid's not going to be happy with me after the fact. But you know what? We got to do this thing. Okay. But then on the last panel of the page, we see him make his decision. His mind is made up. We get our first snicked of this new series. And Wolverine kind of opens his eyes and grits his teeth. I thought it was funny because I I didn't notice this 
the last time we talked about it or read, but um, he makes his decision and pops his claws at the same time the bad guy says, it's time to get this over with. Almost like he's like, yeah, I agree, it's time. Yeah. He's like, snicked, and he's gonna... You're going down. Yeah. Then he jumps out of the bones, and then a couple of bones luckily trail behind, and we get a nice rug, and he catches the guy off surprise, and his claws are popped. Yeah, yeah, there's great bone placement yes. in this scene. Very Austin Powers-ish as the bone covers up his bone. And, and I do have to say, um, I find it interesting that the bones start off smaller and get bigger <laughs> as they go across the page. Right. Well, yeah. But it's very, yeah, the bone is very well placed, this, this rib. But he catches the guy by surprise completely. And we see how angry he looks, and he's he's going he's going at the dad, no question about it. The guy tries to get off a last shot; it kind of hits Wolverine in the side, but doesn't hit him square on. Now, what what I do love about this is that you know up until this point, and even after it, I believe you know all the the typography that sits inside the speech bubbles stays inside the speech bubble right. except for the top drawing yeah, it, Wolverine it's yells. coming out it, it busts right out the bubble and it, it's literally it's an interesting way of giving more power and more voice to what Wolverine is doing right you know and even as a long time reader you know it could vary on whether the artist or the letterer is responsible for that particular panel so I I give them both kudos whichever whoever or if both kind of decided on together however that worked very good job very enjoyable and definitely enhanced the uh, panel but then we see we turn away from the action and kind of go to the flip side and we see the kid looking in horror and we see in shadow as Wolverine cuts through the dad with his claws I, I like that panel because it's very Alfred Hitchcock yes yeah it is it's it's very um, you you your imagination is allowed to fly, especially you know, the kids looking in horror, and it seems to be like bits of flesh or blood is. Well, there's definitely blood splattering towards him. I don't know if it lands on him or not. And of course, with the there's no comics code anymore, though there used to be. That that may be a line that the artist didn't really want to cross to throw like bits of brain on a kid's face. Anyway, so we see the dad. He's uh, on the ground now. As he's dying. He gets a very dramatic death, like bad guy death. He's like, uh, Alex, what? Oh. And I'd like to say this sort of goes back to my whole, he doesn't, he's sort of been taken over. Right, because he looks confused like he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And like having his gut sliced out kind of brought him back to reality. Yeah. Well, and plus... And not to give too much of a sneak peek, because I know you're going to talk about this in a minute. But Wolverine has cut him now, and he's no longer holding on to the gun. Correct. Okay. So just, if you're listening or reading along in the comic, just note that as he's confused and dying, he has let go of the gun. Just just point that out, and we'll, we'll come back to you later. So we see Wolverine kind of leaning over the guy's body. The kid's got his hands on his face. He's crying. And Wolverine's kind of smoking <laughs> from where he got shot. And I, I do find it interesting that um, the side Wolverine's holding on to is the opposite side he was hit Yeah, but this one is obviously, I don't know what, I'm not exactly sure what Davis is trying to convey here. 
I don't I don't think it's a mistake because we still we actually still see the ribs and the womb. So he knew it's not like Wolverine didn't know or the artist forgot what side he got shot on. But for whatever reason, yeah, he's clutching across his stomach. Maybe there's a gaping hole. Maybe he's trying to hold his intestines in. Maybe. <laughs> Until they heal back. Or he's trying to hide his Buddha belly. True. Although I think Wolverine's like negative percent body fat. Probably, yeah. So we get another nice panel with another great facial expression, which, you know, if you're a regular listener, whenever there's an artist I really like, you will almost always hear me say over and over again how much I enjoy the facial expressions. Because to me, in comic books, there's kind of two things that make a great artist. It's facial expressions and, and action. And Alan Davis gets both really well. But anyway, I really like this face as Wolverine kind of looks at the kid who's still crying, and we see his hand is shaking. He's like, Alex, I had no choice. Like, he's really worried that he just had, not only that he had to kill this kid's dad, which is bad enough, taking away his father, but he was forced to do it right in front of his eyes. And so Wolverine obviously feels very guilty about it. He tells Alex not to look. He says, you think you want to see this, but you don't. Now, I will say the center panel on this page, um, I love the way it's drawn. Yes. Because it gives a lot of drama to what's going on. Yeah, and what she's talking about is the use, there's the use of the shadow where the guy, you see the guy's hand and head, the dad, and you see Wolverine kneeling and, and putting his hand on the kid's shoulder, and they're all in shadow. And we have our two remaining hostages in shadow, but their their constraints are still glowing yellow. And, but and then the panel fades down. You go ahead. Well, you, you talked about the the speech bubbles on this page. Yeah, it. Uh, well, what I find interesting is you know front and center is the skull, and, and your eye kind of leads back and forth. Well, you follow the trail of bones up to the top. Right, and the speech bubbles also help lead you up to the top so it sort of gives you this idea of you know just complete destruction and but wolverine trying to explain like you know this is what had to be done and then you your final image or what your eye lands on is wolverine kneeling down next to the kid but but it doesn't really and let me let me let me throw this out there i think the scene begins and ends with the skull because i agree with you the skull, you follow the trail of bones up to the silhouettes. But you have to go past the speech bubbles to get to the top. And then as you read the words, you have to follow them back down to the skull. Well, okay. So here's the interesting thing about art, which doesn't necessarily... It, it translates to comics. And now to bore everyone with an Art 101 lesson. <laughs> no, go for it. So in every... That's why you're here. That's right. To bore my audience. No, just that's kidding. That's right. <laughs> no, listen, class. It'll be a test. And question and answer plus an essay. Ooh, I so, essays. <laughs> and the essay's real easy. Who's the hottest person here? Um, Max? Where'd you go, Max? Okay, from, the dog doesn't count. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So in art, your eye automatically travels in a certain direction. And right. depending on how you draw things, how things go off the page. If the artist is good. Right. Yeah. Directs the eye to flow. A good artist, depending on what they're trying to get at, has your eye continue to flow throughout the piece. 
Now, when it comes to comics, it's a little bit harder because your eye immediately wants to read something instead of looking at it. So if you kind of blurred your vision a little bit and tried not to read, your eye is going to start at the main skull at the bottom. Right, yes. And then because you have the speech bubbles, you know, it's it's white and you're everything that's considered white comes to the forefront. Everything that's black goes to the back. So your eye travels up the speech bubbles till it gets to Wolverine and then it jumps to the people that are tied in bonds because it's now the brightest thing. Right. And then that, you, your eye immediately drops back down to the skull. So if I had to take a guess before anybody actually read the page, that's the movement their eye does oh, before yeah, they read that it. that part, right. I just, all I was saying is kind of adding on to the end of that is the words bring you back down, which to me is very symbolic of the whole situation. This whole scene starts and ends with the death and destruction. Yes. So I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was just yes, kind of... Yes, you were. No, I was amending it. No, that's not right. Appending? Do we need a glossary? No, forget it. Look it up or Google it if you don't like what I'm saying. <laughs> Just agree adding, with me. I was adding to what you were, had to say. Mm-hmm. Just agree with me. Ignore everything very, he says. Very, we are. So then we get a very <laughs> interesting... Yes, ignore everything I say. That's why you're listening ignore to the Ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Only focus on me. Right. Anyway, so we end this page with a panel of Wolverine closing his eyes and looking down. Um, he had just told the kid, he's trying to console the kid... He's like, you know, I know you're freaking out, but help's on the way. And, and whatever this happened was, it, it wasn't your dad. Something happened to your dad that made him act differently, but we, you know it wasn't him. And he looks down and closes his eyes and says, a father doesn't try to kill his own son. So this was intriguing to me, especially being someone who has never read a Wolverine comic or right. knows anything about the character other than what's in you know, Hugh Jackman's version of right. him. Uh, I felt like he was trying to pinpoint on something, that something had happened in his past, but I was left a little flat. Okay. Because I felt like they were trying to say, hey, guess what? Something happened, but yeah, we're just not going to tell you. <laughs> well, I'm actually kind of glad they didn't, but we'll talk about that kind of the end of the issue. But but you're spot on. Um, Wolverine actually had to, at the end of a series that is also starting over with the new number one. But the end of the last version of Uncanny X-Force, Wolverine was forced to kill his own son, kind of a, as a drastic last-ditch situation. And he's had a lot of regret about it. In fact, um, you've heard me talk about in reviewing Uncanny Avengers, that's already come up a couple of times in the new Marvel Now series because... He's already talked to... There is that scene in Uncanny Avengers that I talked about where there's a character that's working for the Red Skull and his power is to make people believe they're living their worst nightmare. And, of course, he tries to turn his power on Wolverine and Wolverine kind of just breaks through it and and stabs him and says, I've already lived... I killed my own son. I've seen him lying and choking his own pool of blood. I've lived my worst nightmare. You can't show me anything worse than that. So he's a badass. Yeah, pretty much. And um, so anyway, but what happened is uh, he had a, a woman in, he spent some time in Japan. And he uh, had a, a one girl night stand? For, no, it wasn't a one night stand. He shacked up with this woman for a while. So he didn't make her an honest woman. 
No, I don't know. <laughs> Did he buy her flowers, bring her candy? I, there is at least one scene where he gives her flowers, yes. I don't know about the candy. Was it their anniversary? I don't know. Well, I mean... <laughs> anyway, he's in Japan and he has a girlfriend. And for whatever... Else and obviously didn't wear a condom. Well, no, he has a healing factor. You can't get STDs, so why worry about it, right? <laughs> oh, good call. Yeah. Well, so we we, we uh, discerned that for sure during Giant Size X and number one when Wolverine fights off a bunch of giant crabs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and and at that point... Anyway, um, anyway, so he's in Japan, and he has a son, but he has to leave before he knows a woman was pregnant. I don't remember the exact circumstance. I'd have to go back and read it. But he leaves, and then his, his girlfriend has a baby, but he doesn't know about it. And so years later, Dawkins shows up. So obviously he wasn't that great of somebody to go out on a date with if you're not going <laughs> to tell him they have a kid. Right. But anyway, he had felt really bad because he... he he wasn't the father he should have been or would have been if he had known about it. But Dawkins felt a need to kind of compete with his father, but at the same time, in a twisted way, was trying to win his father's approval. He had but, daddy issues. Yeah, definite daddy issues. But at the end of the story, basically, he tried to kill Wolverine, and the only way Wolverine could stop him was to kill him first. So is that a Ophelia or Hamlet issue? Oedipus. Oh, well, no, but if it was, I guess it was Oedipus, Dawkins would have succeeded. I guess it is kind of Hamlet. It is kind of Hamlet. Hamlet didn't kill his dad, though. He had to kill his uncle. Okay, so it's Hamlet. <laughs> All right, well, Shakespeare lesson is over. <laughs> so we get um, some consolation. The kid is like, he was never like that before. It was like he changed in a second. Hello, that goes back to my theory. Yes. So obviously something's going on with, with the gun and there's some kind of outside force. Whether the gun is controlling people or whether there's a guy up flying in a UFO above the head. Anyway, now, the, okay, okay, so a little sorry. side note. Yes, yeah, side note. Because I, I, I'm flipping on the iPad um, and one of the things I realized is it, what I find intriguing about this gun is that it's not your typical, you know, nine millimeter where you wrap your hand around it. Right. This thing actually sort of wraps itself around, around you. you. Yeah. And so I, I find that intriguing. And I, I feel like my theory is going to, uh, I've got several theories right. about this gun and, and what it's doing. You kind of think the gun is sentient in itself. I, I, for, yeah, there's a part of me that feels like whoever holds on to this gun, things happen. Okay. Like, maybe it's just covered in anthrax, I don't know, but. I kind of hope you're right. I've read enough comics, I kind of feel like there's maybe some alien race involved, but I kind of, just for a different story, kind of hope that you, you nail it, personally. Well, and the, the gun itself looks kind of alien in right, nature. Right, so maybe it's a, a being and a gun at the same time. Like the blast is just its power. Or it's just feeding people. That's how it eats people. Possibly, yeah. That's why it leaves the bones, so it doesn't choke. <laughs> so it doesn't choke on the chicken It bones. doesn't know how to well, do the well, Heimlich. We, oh, we don't give bones to Max. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so the police storm in, and Wolverine holds his hand up, which has got to be a weird scene for the police. Hey, I forget all the skeletons and the hostage. But there's a dead guy, a naked, hairy guy, and a small boy. 
So anyway, he's like, I'm an Avenger, codename Wolverine. Your target is down, so be calm, okay? Well, <laughs> he goes, and hey, get me some damn pants. I was going to say, the army guy's elbow is perfectly uh, positioned. Yes, and he's aiming the gun. Again, we had a bone, which is a euphemism, cover his junk the first time. Right. And now a gun, and of course, love gun. Right. <laughs> Bullets. Yeah. Shooting, I hope he's not shooting blanks. Now, I, <laughs> well, obviously he wasn't if he had a kid. Well, no, I mean, uh, well, I mean the gun, but yes. Well, now I will say, I think Wolverine is, uh, I, I know you love this artist, but for whatever reason, this panel, Wolverine, there's something awkward. He's a little swole. I didn't notice that my first read through, but his his abs are a little, Overly not, just, not just muscular, it's like they're distended. Well, and it, it's like he got hairier. Well, his hair goes back and forth. He's always pretty hairy. Some people draw it different ways. He needs but. a Brazilian. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> or maybe he's had one. That's why we, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to see that part anyway. They keep covering it up. But anyway, from off panel, he just asked for some pants. And someone says, hold off on that last part. And we see a detective. And she's like, okay, Logan, now I can say I've seen everything. Yeah, this, this woman, actually, my first thought is um, I hadn't decided if she was really hitting on him. I mean, obviously they haven't done anything and she hasn't technically seen everything. <laughs> right. But, you know, she's got the short, short haircut. She actually has very masculine features, but then the way she's drawn, she's very curvy in all the right places. Right. Uh, she's obviously wearing, you know, hip hugger pants to sort of accentuate the curviness of her hips and whatnot. Right on. But there's just nothing really from a girl, and I'm not trying, for those of you out there, I'm not trying to say I'm the prettiest of girls, but... Oh, you are. Well, okay, so you think I am, but they don't know what I look like, but this woman is, yeah, I'm way prettier than her. (laughs) Indeed you are. Just saying. And And you can like our page, and I will continue to do podcasts. (laughs) That's right. I'm not having any luck. I'm actually just trying to Wikipedia her name. Because Wolverine knows her. I don't remember reading her before. But And I can't pronounce her name, so from this point on, I'm just going to call her Lieutenant Tomato. <laughs> I believe it's Tomamatsu. Yeah, Lieutenant Tomato works <laughs> just fine. And I'm not being racist or sexual in any stretch of the imagination. Sexist. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So anyway... Uh, she finds Wolverine a tracksuit, and she then she makes fun of him for wearing it. Well, because it's velour. <laughs> Maybe it is. And he says, and that's a lovely fragrance you're wearing, Tamamatsu. It's called chili fries for lunch. Yeah, I was being charming. <laughs> yeah, this scene right here just reminds me of, you know, for those of you who live in Dallas, it, it, Shops of Legacy, Cougar Town, douchebags <laughs> with bedazzled shirts. This, this is the quintessential yeah, I don't scene. Think so. I feel like they're just ribbing each other good-naturedly. No, no, I've been out. I've gotten picked up on where people have just asked me flat out if I smell like cheese fries. <laughs> Worst pickup line ever. No, I've had some pretty bad ones. So, how do you eat your peanut butter cups? Now, you really shouldn't tell people how uh, <laughs> you picked me up. That was that was the winner right there. 
That's right. I suckered her with peanut butter and chocolate. Oh, that is my weakness. So I've been loving the art, but i got to complain about this panel a little bit. Is it just me, or does Wolverine look like he's floating? Oh, so he does look like he's floating, but... It- you know what? I have to disagree. I actually like the way this panel is drawn, partially because, you know, when I, I shoot photography and when I do, I like to shoot things on an awkward angle just to give an interesting flair yeah, to it. Yeah, the angle is fine, but... <laughs> he does look... He, well, it over-accentuates his hobbit feet, and he's got a weird toenail. I mean, there's a lot he, of weird things going on with it. And why is he barefoot? They had no problem pulling a tracksuit off the clearance rack. And believe me, that was on clearance. So I had 75% off. Yeah, but, but he's they couldn't find feet. him a pair of shoes somewhere? Well, okay, so let's think about this. Wolverine's what? You said 5'5"? Five five? Right. So what? He's probably got girly feet? I don't know. Girly wide feet. <laughs> Really wide. Where's a nine wide? That's hey, that's what shoe size I wear. Shut up. <laughs> so maybe they couldn't find it. Maybe the only shoe size they could find was a woman's shoe. I don't think so. I think they just decided they they were too cheap to uh, comp him some shoes. They could ride off the the five dollar tracksuit, but not the Nikes. Um, they could have got him nurses' shoes. I also think it's weird because. You can verify this or disagree with it or whatever. But in comic books, like one of the things they talk about as artists is the feet are like the hardest thing to draw. So the fact that they decided to leave Wolverine barefoot for the rest of the issue, I thought was an interesting choice artistically. Well, and but I, it would have been a lot easier to draw a pair of shoes on him. I will say, feet and hands are the hardest part to draw on the human body. In my figure drawing class, I would sort of omit those parts. <laughs> I just make the boobs bigger. I remember when I, I tried to draw a comic book in high school that I just kind of made up. And I always had a lot of trouble with feet and hands, too. So that makes sense. They're, they're not the easiest things to draw. You really need to spend a lot of time on them right. just to make them look right. So then we find out the, who the, the perp was. He was Robert Gregson, age 41. So we were close on the age. Mm-hmm. And I was, I gotta say, I was pretty right. He was a real estate agent. I had said salesman. That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, you're, they're just a swarmy. Yeah. I'm sorry for all of you out there who right. sell real estate. Yeah, no offense. There's some good ones out there. There are. But anyway, uh, the important thing to note is he had no record and no prior mental illness. Interesting. Yeah, so obviously the bad guy, if he's been a bad guy, he stayed under the radar, but I'm I'm of the ilk that he was not anything. I'm going back this. to my theory. I think he just sold houses and then something happened. But then uh, Officer Tomato asked. <laughs> <laughs> I got you going. Yep. If, if Wolverine's ever seen a weapon like that before. I thought this is weird. He kind of whisked off what it does. As if we didn't know. But maybe Officer Tomato doesn't know. But she's like, or Wolverine says, fires disintegrating blast, turns flesh to dust. It made energy bonds for the hostages, too. And she's like, energy bonds? And he kind of smirks and looks at her like, what? She's like, like, that's something people say. Wolverine's like, hey, I've been to space. So... Two things. One, I, I want everyone to to realize that um, the gun that up until this point had been glowing is no yes. longer glowing. Yes, yeah, obviously activated by human contact and or con- maybe not, maybe any race or species. Or but. maybe the gun that got knocked out. I mean, if the gun itself is a, an alien being or controls people, then it's 
you know, when it fell, it sort of got knocked unconscious. So do you think Wolverine hit it that hard? Or do you think it's because it was severed from its quote-unquote host? I think it was severed from the host. Um, and and I do find it interesting that he brings up the fact that he's been in space. Yeah. So my first question was, why is he bringing this up? Are I we going to come find out later that this thing is from space? I think obviously it's supposed to be... See, my first thought, go back to like old school comic books. This is like an old school like Spider-Man from the 60s. Mm-hmm. This would have been some wacko who mad scientist who made some crazy gun and was trying to take over the world. Okay? But now in our more sophisticated comic universes, it could be any number of things. So I thought it was interesting... You know, that's why I commented on how the guy didn't really look like a villain. He looked very normal. But he had this crazy gun. But probably it's not something that somebody made. It's probably from space. But even if it's not, Wolverine just trying to give his credentials. And and excuse away the fact that he used the word energy bonds. <laughs> well, and I will say the face in this uh, that Wolverine's making in this panel is... Um... Yeah, he when he's done with this evening, he's totally going out to Martini Bar and you know wearing his bedazzled cross T-shirt. Wolverine does not wear affliction. How do you I, know? I stand by that. If I ever see anybody put him in affliction, I will write to Marvel to fire that artist. Okay, so he's a secret closet affliction wearer <laughs> that they don't ever draw him in. But if you went in his closet, he's got at least one. No, no, With no. some sort of bedazzled... He might uh, wear a jeans. biker jacket, but he won't wear affliction. And it's got bedazzled studs. No, no bedazzled. <laughs> unless he's in space. <laughs> but that's the whole point. The Shi'ar, who are, who are the classic X-Men space race, they probably have some bedazzled clothes. Hey, he's got some, some shiny pair of pants somewhere. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it turns out the kid is asking for Wolverine... He's like, I just wanted to say, and he finally he's going to say thank you. But then he turns to the gun. Ha ha. He's like, oh, that's the, the, and the Wolverine thinks he's like worried about it. He's like, well, don't worry. They're going to get rid of it, but they just got to leave it there for evidence right now. And the kid kind of trails off and says, I wanted to ask stuff. <laughs> Wolverine leans in close and he's kind of trying to be compassionate. He's like, you ask me whatever you want, which is very, as a Wolverine fan, very un-Wolverine. I think it's just showing how he's trying to reach out to this kid. He's just been through this horrible ordeal, and he, he identifies with him because of what happened with Doc and his son. And he's just trying to reach out to the kid. Well, it's almost like he, this is my second chance. Right. And when you wonder, like, you know, how much is he going to try to help this kid like kind of speeding through like getting him back to family or is he going to maybe take him under his wing himself you never know in comic books but um he's definitely reaching out but the kid asked him he's like you said you were a superhero what kind of hero well he's like a mutant so in case you didn't know as a new reader you find out he's a mutant he goes i know some people don't he was gonna say that people don't some people don't like mutants because in the marvel universe they are some kinds of there's some bigots that don't like mutants in the Marvel Universe. Blasphemy. Yeah. Anyway, so so the kid's like, so you heal fast? Because he had seen it. 
And he asked Wolverine if he was born like that. Then he kind of strangely he asked, do you get older? Wolverine says, slowly, I'm really old. So another... So how uh, old is Wolverine? At least 100 or so. Wow, so if he's hitting on girls, he's a really old man. (laughs) (laughs) So for those 20-something out there who think they can hook up with Wolverine and get all of his cash, yeah, not going to happen. I don't know. I mean... I I wonder what kind of retirement account he has. I bet his rules for dating are a little bit different. (laughs) Well, he's obviously interested in Lieutenant Tomato. You think so? I think I think think they're just... He was also interested in Jean Grey. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So he could totally be interested in Lieutenant Tomato. Right. So anyway, the kid has a... That's why he's at the mall. (laughs) He's not looking for chick. (laughs) That's Sam Goody. He's out trolling around Sam Moon. It says he went to the mall to get some coffee. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It says a couple of dozen flavors of coffee, that being why I came in here. Uh huh. Yeah. Notice he says that after the other lady, after <laughs> Lieutenant Tomato is giving him coffee, like, right, "Hey, right. look, we got something in common. I like coffee. I was here getting coffee." Right. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, so then the kid has a very change of face. I I will he say he says you're really interesting and really dangerous. Well. Okay, so I'd like to point out that the kid's eye color changes. It doesn't change. It does change. It doesn't change. Look at the panel next to him. They're blue. It's greenish blue. Okay. It's an aqua color. That's kind of what it is through the whole book. Yeah, but his eyes are also now super dilated. Yes, that part is... His eyes change. And I don't think the colors that. And much he himself almost changes, you know. Well, he doesn't look like a boy anymore. He looks no, like a man. he doesn't. Yeah, up until this point, he's got the very like chubby cheeks, boyish, roundish features, right. and then the way he's drawn in this one, he's got a very pronounced chin. You know, the, everything's very angular. His eyebrows even go from well, a arch. slight <laughs> arch to like you know a huge Huey P. Long bridge arch. Villainous, even. Uh huh. Yeah. And obviously his, his tone, you can tell by the letter, and the letter did a really good job. You can tell just by the emphasis and the, the bold on certain words that his vocal tone has really changed. So then um, he kind of backs away from Wolverine. And Wolverine thinks he's saying he's dangerous because he's scared of him. But I don't really think that's why. But um, and then he, his cha- face goes... I don't know, he looks kind of even more weird. He's like, but we don't think so. We. Notice the we. He goes, activate defense protocol two. And then all Wolverine and all the police officers get electrocuted by the gun. And and what's interesting is the gun itself shoots off because the boy's off in the corner. Yeah, because when I first read it, it looked like they were getting electrocuted from the inside out, but I didn't notice the gun. Yeah, the gun's in the middle, and it's actually sort of electrocuting them. Right, it's radiating mm-hmm. out this electricity, this charge, and knocks everybody over. And then the kid grabs a gun, and it lights back up, and he runs off with it. And Officer Tomato pulls her gun out, and off panel we get a no, and Wolverine... 
grabs the gun and she's like, Logan, I wasn't going to fire. And yet. But obviously she was because Wolverine, it, first of all, you, it looks like an explosion around his hand. It does. Then you see blood dripping out of his hand. And when he gets up, he's grabbing in the palm of his hand. So I think she shot his hand. Yeah, but she's also, she's holding her hand. When she gets up. So, so I guess it's possible that Wolverine made her pull the trigger when she slammed the gun down. And then so he kind of, in essence, shot himself on accident. Could be. Or, it, you know, she could be lying. I, mean, I think she's lying. Her I name th- is Lieutenant Tomato. <laughs> Never trusted Rotten Tomato. No. I, that's my opinion. And plus just how angry she looks when she's yelling at Logan. I think she's lying. And she was just based on how destructive this weapon is. She was thinking very practically like the needs of many outweigh the needs of one kid. So she was willing to take down this kid if it meant saving a bunch of lives. Yeah. But Wolverine kind of has, he feels like, I think he is kind of clued into the same thing we are. That something's going on with the gun. And so he says, whatever is going on here, that's just a kid. Tell the uniforms to keep their heads down. This is my job. And he runs outside. With his big hobbit feet. Yes, barefoot. And obviously the kid ran out and he shot a police car. And Wolverine's like, oh, for And he turns around and then he gets slammed into a wall. The kid is driving a police car and runs over him. I, I have to say, I love this panel. It's from really an, nice. From an artistic point of view, I love this panel. You know, you've got the three images. In the middle, you have a long, skinny, which is, it, it's you're only getting a snippet of Wolverine's face. But at the bottom, it's all jagged. And it kind of, you know, it leads into the next scene of the police car smashing into the wall. The lights on the top of the police car are shooting out the back of it. And yeah, all yeah. the bright colors are literally it it gives you a sense of at night you're only seeing bits and pieces of brightness and the blur of the action Mm -hmm. i thought the colors were good in the whole issue i thought the the use of light and color in this page by hollingsworth was exceptional particularly on this page that's not to take away from all the other stuff he did but i thought this was really kind of a highlight of his coloring job i thought it was really fantastic but i don't you know, I think this also leads more credence to your theory because there's no way. I mean, let's guess. This kid's seven or eight, probably. Give or take. In that area. Ten tops. Yeah, there's no way he knows how to drive a police car. Can he even reach the pedals? Oh, well, obviously he can somehow. And probably can't even see. <laughs> I was going to so say. So I think this definitely leads credence to the fact that somebody else is in control of the kid. Don't you think. Even if he couldn't reach the pedals, not only does he not know how to drive a car, I think a kid running out would think to drive a car. Like if he was in kid mode, he would just run and hide somewhere. Yeah, well, and it, it makes me wonder if my alien theory is correct, because would an alien know how to drive a car? Well, it would understand the technology if it was here. And I mean, obviously. Or maybe that's why it smashed in into the, a brick wall. <laughs> Oops, I, was, I even, meant to go he, in reverse. He wasn't even trying to run over Wolverine. He just kind of accidentally hit him because he didn't know how to drive. Nice. Welcome to. But then uh, Wolverine gets up and he pops his claws and we get another snicked. And I really like the box around his hand there. Really nice panel. Um. 
Alberto Ramos is a master at that, but uh, Davis does it really good here too. It it's is kind nice. of the, the claw. It makes you focus on the claws and the snicked, but it's still kind of part of the panel above it. It's just kind of an outline around it. That is nice. But I got to say, even as a Wolverine fan, and I love his healing factor, I feel like he heals a little too fast here. I mean, he just got ran over, not run over by a car. If the car run him over and left him behind, maybe he gets up and shakes it off. But he just got smashed into the corner of a wall. And his, and his velour tracksuit is completely destroyed. Right. But he not only heals, he's strong enough to pick the car up and make the kid shoot in the air. I don't know. I feel like at the very least, like, his gut should be falling out <laughs> or something. But it's like he's not even really hurt. Well, and he's halfway into the car. Right. So I feel, I feel like the healing factor was a little accelerated in this part. But I kind of get it from the storytelling point because at this point, the story's kind of moving along. But yeah, it was a little fast for my taste. Then the kid dies out of the car and shoots the car and blows it up. Which I'm assuming Wolverine's still on the hood when he does this. And he runs off with... <laughs> Typical NYPD, right? Uh, there's a police car with a door open. A car keys in it? Yeah, which makes sense because, you know, you saw the, walk the opening scene from The Walking Dead. If the police are there in the standoff, they use the door as a shield, and they lean over the door. But here, all the officers are already across the parking lot. <laughs> and well, the door is still you, open. You also look at it, they're using the, the police car as a uh, as a barrier, because the police tape is actually, it looks like it's tied to the rearview mirror. Right, yes, it is. So, you know, they may have been using it as a barrier and left the door open in case they needed to move the barrier. Possibly. But regardless, the kid jumps in. And he drives off. Yeah, I gotta say again. It looks to me like the police officers are shooting at the car. Well, yeah, they've decided whether the kid's 10 or whatnot, they're gonna take him down. Right. So then Officer Tomato runs over and asks Wolverine if he's okay. And he says, physically, as he starts climbing out of the wreckage. And then we get to the only panel I don't like. Um, just art-wise. Um, I actually kind of like the dialogue. But Wolverine looks very strange. He looks like a Neanderthal. He does look like a Neanderthal. And he doesn't look like Wolverine. No. He actually looks like a completely different person. Yeah, from every other panel in the book. So yeah. Definitely my least favorite artistic panel. Is I think it's his eyebrows. Well, yeah, and it's the way, it's the angle of his face. And then the fact that I feel like part of his face is coming outside of the angle. Yes. Like it's not consistent perspective-wise? Yes. I think right. they were trying to, to use his brooding yeah, brow that, as yeah. a... Well, I agree, but I feel like they captured the brooding earlier in the book and did a much better job of it. Anyway. So maybe they drank a little too much by the time <laughs> they got to the end. the end of the book. He's like, oh, damn it, got to finish this by the deadline. Anyway, um... He tells the police, he goes, I want you to call a place called Guernica on West 4th. Tell Max I'm coming for the Wolverine uniform I keep behind the bar. Okay, can I just say, like, what kind of relationship does he have with this bartender that he's just leaving an X-Men uniform behind? Well, either, all right, Wolverine drinks a lot. Well, yeah, and, and characteristic. So I what, like he's got it. profit sharing in the bar? Well, either 
he has enough bars that he goes to that he buys enough beer. Because remember, with his healing factor, it takes him a long time to get drunk. Okay, so, but is this kind of like back behind the bar in like a container store container with Wolverine <laughs> written across it? Or is this like an Applebee's where it's I in a frame he, hanging I'm, up? <laughs> I think he has a cubby and it's got Wolverine taped to the top. But I like the idea of his on a frame because it's going to be autographed. It'd be like two Max and Guernica, best drinks in town. Love Wolverine. So does that mean when he gets there, he's got to tell the people sitting underneath it, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me, crawl over the shrimp cocktail and... <laughs> <laughs> and then in the next issue when he's wearing the costume on his chest will be like a Wolverine autograph and magic marker pieces of the shrimp cocktail right, that right. got stuck to it <laughs> while he was crawling over it we can use his claws to kebab well and, and seriously why does he need to put on a uniform I mean he's kind of got the half pants thing going on and he's obviously not afraid of nudity because he ran around half nude for a while oh man he had to I don't think he wants to get a ticket for running around Manhattan naked do you really think an X-Men's gonna get a ticket well he didn't pull the Avenger card that got out of nakedness earlier yeah so, so you know. just pull it again I think he just likes to wear his uniform because <laughs> it makes him sexy that's right men in the uniform are always sexier I wonder if it's bedazzled it's not bedazzled <laughs> it's the one we had in the title page it's yellow and blue and pleathery pleathery <laughs> <laughs> anyway so the officer tries to tell Logan that it's not his fault but he's like no it is my fault something I gotta missed or no, something I missed. Gotta be. So I'm going hunting. If I can find him first, maybe I can stop him without hurting him. That family doesn't lose anybody else today. Not on my account. And Wolverine runs off. And I'd like to say, in this second panel, he kind of looks like the Hulk. He's got the torn pants. Well, just because of the pants. Not really his body or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but how are they staying up? Obviously, tracksuits have, like, elastic in the waistband, and he's got See, nothing left think, to the waistband. I think this is a two-piece suit. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, most sweatpants I, I, have elastic in it. I think that's the bottom of the jacket. Then that then that implies he should just rip that off. <laughs> that implies that he had his jacket tucked in. I'm not sure if I want to want to go that route. <laughs> it is velour. It probably feels really good against his skin. He can't feel. He's got too much hair. Well, that's when you start getting Brazilians. Right. Um, but anyway. Um, so you had asked me, uh, when you re read this on, on the iPad, you had asked me what he was hunting. And my philosophy is that, that he's hunt is kind of double meaning. He's hunting the kid that he'll use because he has enhanced senses. So he'll use his sense of smell and hearing or whatever to track the kid. But he's really hunting the gun. He knows something is wrong. He doesn't know exactly what's going on, just like we as the reader don't know exactly what's going on. But he knows something is going on. So he's hunting, the, the prey of the hunt is the gun. And, and possibly whoever's behind the gun. So, alright, well that ends the issue. Um, we get a look on the last page. Um, of next issue and his Wolverine he found his costume and he's he dying. stopped by the bar yes he crawled over by the, the shrimp bar, cocktails had a couple of drinks first <laughs> got his costume and then now he's got his claws out and he's diving at the kid and the kid is shooting the gun so he, and he looks like he gets his ear sort of yeah the twinged. mask yeah gets, yeah gets singed a little bit by the blast and they're in an alley and that he has cool. shoes 
Because he has his costume on. Yes, he does have shoes. <laughs> I see we get a look at some of the variant covers. We have one by Oliver Coppell, which I like his art a lot. I really like this cover, except for the fact that he's wearing a button-up shirt, which is fine. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times in comic books, people wear their superhero uniforms under their clothes, a la Superman. I think it's weird that he, he has an unbuttoned shirt. That looks like it's tied in the back. <laughs> I think it's just flapping in the wind. Where is it flapping? Yeah, right there. You see the flap? Behind no. his uh, no. le- right shoulder. That's not flapping. Yeah, it is. See? That's a shirt. All Look, right. Zoom I'll, I'll, in. Buy, it's a shirt. I'll buy that one for now. But regardless, he has a shirt on top, but nothing on bottom except for his uniform. I have to say, I'm so not digging... So it makes you feel like... Now, before he popped his claws and went Wolverine, he was walking around with a dress shirt on top of his uniform pants. <laughs> well, okay. And so if we're going to talk about his dress shirt on top of his uniform, okay, so w- how does he shove those cat-like Catwoman boots into his jeans? <laughs> well, that's the way he did it because he doesn't have jeans on. So, okay. So w- ignore the like Catwoman boots and the underoos because I got a button down boots. Those shirt. Those are classic Wolverine boots. They seriously are like nineteen sixty. They're not Go Go. It's not Barbarella. Oh, you know he's breaking out in song. I want to sing and dance in my tight shiny pants. Why didn't Barbarella make you think of that? Uh. <laughs> There's some song I can't remember who it's by, and it's the pirate dance. <laughs> he he says, "I want to sing and dance in my tight shiny pants." <laughs> well, that's Wolverine. He probably wrote that song. He probably did. <laughs> anyway, we have a La Roca and De Marta cover, which is pretty cool. It has Wolverine and Deadpool falling out of the sky. And then we have uh, Umberto Ramos, Speak of the Devil, and Edgar Delgado cover, which you didn't like as much, but I really like. I really like the plain yellow background and how angry Wolverine looks. Yeah, his his muscles are... Um... Well, yeah, but Ramos, or Ramos, is, uh, he kind of works in strange proportions. That's kind of his art style, so I'm kind of used to that. Yeah, it just, he looked disproportionate. He looks like he's got 36 abs. Yes, he's distorted. Yes. And then you have the Scotty Young uh, kid cover variant that he's been doing a lot of those in Marvel now. This one looked like Ezard, Edward Scissorhands to me. <laughs> it's got a, a, they made a snowman sentinel and Wolverine's on the top yelling, Berserker, which I love. I also like that he's wearing his old, um, from the beginning of the first Wolverine series, the kind of fur jacket he wore, the leather jacket with the fur around the edges. And then Cyclops is on the bottom saying, I'm telling. Oh my gosh, is Cyclops a pussy? Seriously. <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask. But him and Wolverine have never gotten along, so I, I really like this cover. I, I want a poster of it. I, I'd have to say, if, you know, this is the epitome of the two characters and one of them walked into a bar and asked me out, I'd have to tell Cyclops to go away. Who would you really want to date a guy that sit on the bar and yell, Berserker! <laughs> that would be a whole lot better than the tattletale. True, true. I mean, I could just see each date. Right. What? You you didn't thank me for holding the door open? I, I'm going to go tell your mom. <laughs> well, so we know which side of schism she falls on. The Wolverine's side. That's right. 
We will be happy to know that right now, Cyclops is one of the most wanted men on the planet after he tried to destroy the world. Seriously? We got taken over by the Phoenix Force and uh, did, tried to destroy the world. So now he's wanted as a mutant terrorist. Really? So he doesn't feel like he's a bad guy, but everybody else does. And him and Wolverine, Wolverine basically wants to kill Cyclops right now. Well, hey, yeah. All right, well, so that wraps up our issue. So as we kind of get ready for our ratings, um, I want to ask Denise overall, how did this hit you? Okay, so we're going to have to kind of go back to the only other comic that I've read, which right. is Walking Dead. And the one thing that I love about the Walking Dead comic is you literally, as you're reading it, and when you get to the last scene and you realize there's nothing left behind it, <laughs> you're just, no, it can't end here. Well, every good comic book will do that. And I, I will say, so... So you're going to say this didn't do that for you? Actually, it did. Oh, okay. I thought from the way you were saying that, that you were going to say the opposite. Well, I'll have to say that the thing about Walking Dead is when it ends, I feel an overall concern over everything that's going on. Right. And I want to know what's going to happen next. However, in this one, I could give a rat's patootie about Wolverine and Lieutenant <laughs> Tomato and all of that. I'm more interested is what is going on with this kid? Right. So I, I kind of feel like if the storyline didn't revolve so much around the child and around the situation, that I may have just been like, well, that was interesting and moved on. Yeah, I think that's done on purpose. I think the inclusion of the kid was very a brilliant move on Paul Cornell's part. And then it takes the story to a different level. It makes you think about, it makes you worry about the kid as a parent. But if you're not a parent, you don't want to see, no one wants to see bad stuff happen to kids. And um, I think it, it adds an element to the story, and especially now that at the end he's kind of become the bad guy in a way or become an instrument of the bad guy. It, it takes what, what could have been kind of an average comic story and made it really compelling and really interesting to me. So I thought that was a very brilliant uh, turn of page for Paul Cornell. All right, so um, before we get to our ratings, I want to ask kind of one question. The whole point of kind of Marvel now after Avengers versus X-Men ended, and the whole point of having a new number one is comics right now is very much, even DC with the new 52, is very much trying to be as like open door as possible. It's always about like, this story is a new starting jumping on point for new readers. Let's get new readers. Let's start over with a new Wolverine so more people will pick it up and start reading. That's just some marketing person sitting in it, an office. No, it is. And, and the comic skeptic in me says, I definitely agree with you. And I, no, I admit you should agree with me. I'm I in did. the biz. No, you're right. It's marketing. As a comic fan, I enjoy the stories enough that I kind of look past that. And honestly, the more books they sell, the more books they can make and the better the quality of the book so I'm to a degree you know comics is weird because it's art and I do I think it is art I think the best comic book people both writers and artists and even the inkers and the letters and the colorists the the top grade A guys are very much so artists but at the same time that it is art it's also very much a product Yes. And it's very much commerce. And the bottom line is, 
it has to sell or it can't survive. Right. So I so I kind of and and the balance of that is always very interesting because you always have have the idea of of wanting to put your best artist on your best books. Kind of you know like I talked about. You know, Alan Davis is a very highly loved artist in the Marvel uh, stable. And so to put him on Wolverine is a very big marketing move because it's somebody everybody loves on a character that everybody loves and just kind of, it's kind of sales gold in a sense. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, the whole, what I was kind of getting to is, is this Wolverine number one was very much an attempt for people to say, oh, a number one issue. And the collector would say, oh, if you don't know any better, you might think it's more valuable. I I think now the market is so saturated that doesn't happen anymore. But, you know, a lesser knowledgeable fan might think that it's going to be worth something and um, buy it for that. But so, talking to a, a new Wolverine reader, did this book accomplish its goal in trying to attract and hook a new reader. And then I'll I'll talk later about what I feel about it as a long-term reader. But for you as a new reader, do you think this book hit its target and what it was trying to accomplish? Well, what I'm really curious about is, yes, it hooked me to want to read whatever the next one is. However, um, I'm curious if it can keep me once this storyline has sort of... So once part four is over and the kid's gone, will you still be interested in Wolverine? That's the thing. Or are you just interested in this chapter of Wolverine? That's the thing. You know, Walking Dead does this. They have certain issues that are a part one of whatever, um, you know, and they still have their underlining Walking Dead theme. Right. But the thing with Walking Dead was the minute I finished the pilot comic i knew i was hooked i knew that no matter what was going on i needed to read every single thing that came out well that's how i was with with the show too you know that's the show we watched together and (laughs) i was actually kind of glad we got onto it late because we got to watch it on netflix and we didn't have to wait (laughs) but no but that but there was a show because um from the pilot episode i was like okay i'm i'm totally 100 percent in this series and and that's how I was with the comic, um, right. and so this one but, intrigues me because so you're not I do quite to that point yet. No, I'm not to that point yet. But I I am curious as to what happens to the kid. I'm just curious if once once the kid story plays out, will it keep my interest? Right. Well, so let me ask you this, because obviously, um, oh shh, don't don't tell her. When I set up the iPad, the Marvel app is a, is my account. <laughs> It's on her iPad. But obviously, I'm going to give you the digital code for number two. I'm going to offer it to you. But let me ask you this. If I just kept my mouth shut and went to the comic shop next month and got Wolverine number two and read it and didn't say anything, is this story interesting enough to you? Did it hit you hard enough that in a couple of weeks, would you come to me of your own volition and ask me if this, if the next one had come out yet or not? And if I had it, could you borrow it, whatever? I don't know about the next week. Maybe in a month I might come to you and go, oh, hey, where's that, where's that well, That's what I mean, yeah. It'll be, it'll be three or four weeks before number two comes out. Right. So in that time frame, 
if I bring it home and don't say anything and just read it and stick it in my box without me showing it to you, do you think you would want to know where it was? I, I'd want to know where it was. Now, cool. I, I, w- I will say that, you know, with The Walking Dead, when I get done with it, I literally am Googling when the next one comes out. Right. Because that is literally how hooked I am. Right. This one, I don't think I'd be Googling when the next one came out, but if it happened across the coffee table, yes, I'd pick it up and read it. <laughs> cool. Okay, cool. All right, well, so all that said, and adding any other details you want that inform your opinion, uh, listeners of the podcast know I give every book a rating, and that's a rating out of three claws. Obviously, three being the best, pull all claws out, and, you know, going down from there. So what would you rate Wolverine number one? Well, so let me ask you a question. Is there like a... A half claw? No half claws, no. Yeah, but he, you know, he does kind of like slowly slide out the claw. I know, I know. So he theoretically could have a half claw. I've wanted to give half claws before, and I've made myself not break that rule, so you can't break it either. It's it's whole claws. Well, so can I give a middle finger claw? No. (laughs) No. The Wolverine, I think, has wanted to before. They don't really ever show it in the regular series, but there's some more uh, mature series, like miniseries of Wolverine. I'm pretty sure he's given the middle claw before. Anyway, just just spill it. What's your rating? I'd have to give it a two. Okay, so two out of three claws. Two out of three claws, because like I said, it does intrigue me. I want to know what's happening with the kid. I can't give it three claws because the storyline doesn't keep me interested in Wolverine himself. Okay. Or Lieutenant Tomato. Well, I don't think you really. I don't know. If she, I don't know how interested we're supposed to be in her. I guess she's in the book, so we're supposed to be interested. It'll be interesting to me to see how much of a role she plays moving forward, or if she was just kind of the first cop on the scene. Quite honestly, if she gets incinerated, I think she it's got. Well, no I think she got named, so she'll probably show up. You know, like if she just been a random... If he hooks up with her, he's so getting crabs. Anyway, so Denise gives uh, Wolverine number one two out of three claws. I kind of waffled back and forth. Um, there were parts in this story that made me... You know what? No, not really. Um, I give Wolverine number one three out of three claws. This story could have been very average, very typical comic book. I felt like Paul Cornell took it in a very different, interesting direction. Um, The storyline of the kid got me hooked. I really liked the way that he dropped little clues about hints of the past, but didn't retell the origin. Which in a lot of number one books, and and a lot of the trouble that the comic book movies have had, is every time they reboot a franchise, they feel like they have to start over. Like the new Spider-Man. Which honestly, I, I it was my favorite. But it was kind of a bummer that they had to go back and and start over and tell how he got his powers and blah blah blah, instead of just starting off as Spider-Man and let him fight somebody and you know maybe give a little flashback here and there. But, but anyway, so I, was, I kind of enjoyed that this Wolverine number one was not just a this is who Wolverine is and this is, you know how he got his claws and blah blah blah. Well, I think also they're they're making certain assumptions that um, whoever's going to pick this up 
will have already read all the other Wolverine comics. Well, see, I think they're making that assumption, but trying. Hopefully, that they get some people that have it. True, but you know, I I think from a marketing standpoint, because I deal with marketing people on a daily basis, you know, there is that power struggle, and I think the artist and the storytellers won on this one, with only giving little hints here and right. there in the hopes of. And quite honestly, it may actually be brilliant on their part. I I really liked it. I thought it was a really good nod to giving bits and pieces for for new readers to catch up on, but not boring old readers with the retelling of an old story. Well, I will say when, you know, Wolverine's having the heartfelt conversation with the boy, it actually made me want to write a note to Google you know, Wolverine, did Wolverine have a kid? Right. Like, why is Wolverine so touching? Or, you know, did Wolverine have a past with his dad? Because it was interesting, but they didn't give me any backstory. So I found it intriguing enough to, you know, possibly, you know, put it down and Google and see if something was going on. Right. Well, I, I don't know. I, to me, that line or that scene was touching without knowing the history and then as a long-term reader, knowing the history just made it that much more heartfelt or whatever. Right. But um, all that said, um, I also really like the art a lot. Like I said, I love the way Alan Davis draws Wolverine. And his strengths are his, uh, his action sequences. So I really enjoyed that. So not just the writing and the art and... And all the other people that worked on the book, the coloring and inkers and letters and stuff, everybody did a really uh, bang-up job. And for me, I hope the story stays as interesting. To me, four parts feels like, depending on what Cornell has in store, and he may have some really good twists and turns down the line. But to me, I'm a little cautious on how this story will last four issues and stay this interesting as it is now but I hope that it does but uh, just based on this issue alone and not worrying about the future I'm going to give Wolverine number one three out of three claws and Denise gave it two out of three claws so uh, we're going to cut off here Um, anything you'd like to close with before we uh, sign off and move on to the rest of the episode well I'd have to say if y'all have enjoyed what you heard go out to the Facebook page like us if you really enjoyed me as a guest host, be sure to make a little comment so that Jay knows that I need to be on more. That's true. And um, also, um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to make a personal plug. Is there anything you'd like to uh, promote for yourself? Well, for those of you out there looking for photography or videography, I actually co-own with someone else a photography and videography company called Spark. The website is movingspark.com. Awesome. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash moving spark. And for any listeners in the uh, greater DFW area in Texas, that would be particularly applicable. But I think anybody could go and just enjoy the pictures on the site. Very true. Even if they can't, even if they're too far away to use you, they can just see some good photos. That's right. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're. Uh, we're going to move on. So again, just to summarize, I gave Wolverine number one three out of three claws. Denise, you gave it two out of three. All right. Well, we'll see you later. Bye. 
Okay, so now we have our segment and the X-Men. We have Wolverine and the X-Men number 26. This is Savage Learning part 2 of 4. A Boy Named Dog. It's written, of course, by Jason Aaron with art by Ramon Perez. Laura Martin is the colorist. VC's Joe Caramagna is the letterer. And the cover is by Perez and Martin. I guess it's, is it Perez with the accent, I think. Anyway, the cover um, is really nice. We have uh, from the pages of Origin, and it has the uh, the font from the Origin miniseries. Wolverine's brother Dog returns, and it's cool because the font on Dog is the font from Origin, but it's like beat up looking. A very nice touch. And of course we have the heading on the cover under the title. Wolverine and the X-Men. The strangest heroes of all. Alright so on the cover we have Dog. With a space rifle and a big knife. And he's got his boot on Wolverine's chest. Wolverine looks to be unconscious. And it's a really nice cover. I like it quite a bit. You know Perez's art was pretty good. Or Perez's art was pretty good in number 25. It is really good in this issue. I think part of it is is maybe it got a little stronger because his flashback sequences are fantastic. But I think also it just it kind of grew on me even more than it did over the last issue. It's still continuing to grow more so on me. So anyway, we start off with the flashback. Alberta, Canada, many years ago. So we have... You know, it's cool. We get a, basically we get Dog's origin. And basically the uh, the Logan family was pretty, um, maybe worthless is a little strong, but not, not by much if it is. Um, it's a family that was very rough around the edges, always got in trouble. Talks about his grandpa was hanged at the age of 17 and he, he already had three kids. His grandma was Stabbed to death in the middle of the street in the middle of the day. And then Thomas Logan, of course, we remember him from Origin, was a really rough guy, an alcoholic, not a very good father at all. He was prone to uh, leaving dog places and making him find his way back home. I don't think like, he did it, like, I'm going to make him find his way home. I think he just forgot about him. It's kind of what the uh, intimation we're giving. And <laughs> Thomas said that, that he was... Like a hound, and that's why he started calling him Dog. And of course, he beat Dog, but then they eventually ended up at the Howlett estate, and Dog and James, a young Wolverine, became really good friends, but of course, James was sickly and ended up kind of being confined to the indoors after a little bit of a time. You know, it's funny, uh, Dog talks about how. He should have been jealous of James for living in the big house and always having lots of food and having a father that didn't beat him. But he kind of felt sorry for him, even though he was in a much better, quote-unquote, better situation. <laughs> we have a little bit of irony here. It talks about a dog talking about James. says, He was so frail and sickly, no doubt sure to live a short, sad little life. A life without one bit of adventure. While me, on the other hand, I was going to have the life that they write stories about. 
And of course, we know that, that Wolverine lived exactly the opposite of a short little life and has had a ton of adventures, but, you know, that was yet to come. But basically, uh, we get some more flashback of, of Dog wistfully thinking of the future and wanting to kind of run away and explore the world, and he was going to be the first Logan to amount to something, the only Logan so far to amount to something. But then came the night, everything changed. It's really cool because we get um we get kind of the or the events of the the origin miniseries through the eyes of Dog here, and it's really cool. I also got to say the use of coloring in these flashback sequences because it's not black and white, but it's kind of two tone, and there's different colors to denote different emotions. So a the art by Perez in the flashback sections is really good, but also Laura Martin's colors, which are always good. They're always really good, but I don't know. It really spoke to me the way they colored this uh, these flashback sequences. They have lots of blue, uh, blues and greenishes and brownishes, you know, in, in the nature and to represent Canada. We have the one scene where, where dogs getting beat by Thomas is in red. Then everything goes red when we see that James pops his claws and kills his mom and uh, their dad, Thomas, because we uh, remember that the James, Lo- James Logan Wolverine, his mom cheated with, with Thomas Logan because she was a howlet. And she had an affair with Thomas Logan, and that's when James was born. And so, you know, when he finds out, that kind of makes, it's a trauma that kind of ignites his mutation and he pops his claws and kills everybody. And we see Dog kind of crying over his father. And he has a three, remember, he got slashed by, by James before he ran away. So we see him with the three, like, slashes, which is cool because we still... We see Dog with this still has the scars from the, the three claw marks he got in the face there. But Dog is still kind of resentful that that James was his brother, but he didn't have to learn the lessons from his father that the Dog did. So he kind of he decided that it was going to be his job someday to teach him. So we switch back to the Savage Land present. And you got to say... <laughs> Besides the awesome beard, I can't help but notice a little bit, and it's stylistically makes sense. Right? It's kind of chuckle that the dog looks a little bit like Dog the Bounty Hunter, just as far as his hair and his build. His build? Why did I say that all weird? His build. Anyway, we, we know that the dog's been traveling in and, in and out of time a little bit, so here he is in the Savage Land now. He's got this super alien gun with a shrink. And he's shooting at Wolverine. And Wolverine's like, Dog, how the hell are you? Good to see you too, James. You disappeared a hundred years ago. I thought you were dead. So we see as Wolverine slices through the gun. So we have some kind of inclination that, that maybe Wolverine had tried to, to at least keep some tabs on Dog, if not be involved in his life, kind of at least know what was going on, some concern for him. The dog says, no, he was just out exploring like he always wanted. 
and he brought back some presents, and he hits Wolverine across the face with a big club, and it turns out it's from the future, and it's made out of adamantium, and adamantium is in a surplus of the future. comes pretty cheap, so he had the club made, and we get a nice scene of him trying to hit Wolverine in the face with it, but Wolverine kind of crosses his claws in front of his face to, to block it. It's a really cool scene. I gotta say, I really like the way Perez draws Wolverine. It's nice. I like his, his uniform and his uh, his mask or cow or whatever you want to call it. So they fight some more. I also like, again, we have a, a sound effect in the art that's, you know, besides just the shranks and the clangs and the pips and the shracks, when we get a kick <laughs> as Wolverine kicks dog off of him. Wolverine tries to talk him down, says they don't have to fight, but he's not going to back away. So they fight a little more, and <laughs> dog pulls out a crossbow with three little poison darts and um he says it's the venom from the atom bomb ant which i thought was pretty cool he goes whatever the hell that means <laughs> real nasty critters that live on some planet that ain't been discovered yet Venom's so strong it even packs a wallet for folks with fancy healing powers yeah so um talks about uh he says wolverine would be surprised what kind of weapons you can get in the future after mutants are outlawed and there's a bounty on him. So we even get the idea that he's done some bounty hunting. So again, Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> little tongue-in-cheek humor by uh, Jason Aaron, which I enjoy. And Wolverine pulls the darts out of his arm and he's like, All right, you want to play the damn supervillain? Fine. And then we get a nice shot of his eyes here. He goes, I'm going to treat you like the damn supervillain. <laughs> and Dog's like, Supervillain? You still don't get it, do you? I heard what you've been up to these last hundred years, little brother. All the people you done killed. Bet even you don't know how many. And you have the nerve to call me? The, the villain? Open your damn eyes, James. I'm the hero in this story. And he electrocutes him. So then we get another flashback. Um, still Alberta, Canada, many years ago. And we see Dog as a either an older teenager or a young adult. And he has no family anymore at all now that his dad's dead and the place he lived was closed up because of what happened there with the emergence of Wolverine. And he's out running around and he tries to live with a pack of dogs but he can't even do that. So he feels completely dejected. He has no family and not even his quote-unquote kind. Then we move up even a little further into the future of the past. And Dog's out, he's been out, you know, trapping furs and trading, and he just wants to turn in all the stuff he gets. He says, uh, the guy asks, what do you want to get in trade? And Dog says, no. So he's turned into a drinker like his old man. But he overhears some people talking about a wolf man. And he realizes with claws that pop, bony claws that pop out of his wrist. So he knows they're talking about James... Oh, I just noticed something here. A little Easter egg, and I'm not sure what it means. And there's a, a reward wanted poster on the wall with a guy with like a metal cube helmet or mask or whatever. 
So keep that in mind. I didn't notice it in my, my first couple of read-throughs, but I just saw it now. Anyway, uh, the guys don't are scared of the wolf man. They don't want to take him and show him, so they get in a nice bar fight. But he eventually corners James in an old mine. Before he can get to him and have their last standoff, he charges into the mine and he finds the diamonds. And these end up being the time diamonds that we were introduced to in uh, the astonishing... I can't remember how it goes. Is it Spider-Man and Wolverine or Wolverine and Spider-Man? Anyway, it was a cool miniseries by uh, Jason Aaron and Adam Kubert. And it's centered around these time diamonds. So we see the dog found some in the mine. And that's how he's been time traveling. So he's kinda get he kinda gets the upper hand on Wolverine and he pulls out some glowing coil. And he talks about how um he just needs to teach James how to be a real Logan. And Dog's like, Wake up or Wolverine says, Wake up, dog, I'm not your father, I'm not your enemy. And Dog laments and he misses home. He kind of feels displaced through time, but it's what he had to do. <laughs> Wolverine says, stop this. Don't make me put you down. Which, of course, I thought of like, you know, old Jeller putting down a dog. And Dog says he's here for Wolverine, but not to kill him. I ain't one of them idiot supervillains like Dr. Doom or Cyclops. <laughs> I thought it was cool that he threw Cyclops in there, or funny that he threw Cyclops in there. And so he says that he's not just going to teach Wolverine a lesson, but teach the students a lesson, the kids of his. Wolverine pops his claws, he's like, kids! And he looks really angry in a really nice panel. And he charges Dog, but we get a nice snack as he re retrieves his claws, so he doesn't really want to hurt Dog. He doesn't want to take him down. We get the cool thing where he, he uh, puts his fist under a dog's chin and pops the outside two claws on either side of his face. But the middle one is still retracted. And he tells him to stay the hell away from my students. Or I swear, brother or no brother. And dog's like, I believe you. But this coil comes down, I guess by itself. Because he had wrapped it around a tree branch. And it comes down by itself and wraps around Wolverine's neck. And Dog says that none of the futures for the Jean Grey school are good. That all the students die, either die horrible deaths or do something even worse. And he goes, face it little brother, you just ain't the school teacher type. Because deep down you're still the same spoiled rotten rich kid who grew up in the house on the hill. You never had to work for nothing. You never learned the kind of lessons I did. Which, I would say Wolverine, <laughs> he's, he's definitely had to work for stuff. That might be a little bit of a, of a misinterpretation. But um, anyway, Dog decides he's going to show Wolverine a bunch of different futures. And on one of them, we see a guy on a horse in the old Westing time. And he has a square metal helmet on. It's almost Dr. Doomish looking, but without the hood. Anyway, that's the same guy from the Wanted poster. And then we see like a, a dystopian future with some kind of robots hunting down somebody and then the cavemen. And so Dog tells James and Wolverine in a, a really nice face here by Perez. 
And he says, I'm a better man than you, James Howlett, in every possible damn way. I know you don't believe me. That's why I'm about to show you. You ain't the teacher these kids need. I am. And Dog Logan's class starts now. And to be continued. So that was really fun. The story and the art were both really good. Like I said, really dug the art and the colors in the flashback scene, which is really, really nice interpretation of those scenes. And I've come to really, really like Perez's version of Wolverine. Just the way he moves, his uh, his facial expressions, and his hood, cowl in particular, I really, really enjoy. So, um, yeah, really not a whole lot to say, except for there was just an, another kind of expected really, really good issue from Wolverine and the X-Men. So um, I'm going to give Wolverine and the X-Men number 26, three out of three claws. That's kind of all I have to say about that. All right. It was really awesome. So three out of three claws for Wolverine and the X-Men number 26. And we are moving on. Okay. So also this week we have Age of Ultron book two. And this is uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Paul Neary, Paul Mounts is a colorist, VC's Corey Pettit is a letterer, and Hitch, Neary, and Mounts did the cover. And there's a variant cover by Young John Yoon and Rocky Kim, which I don't think I've seen. The cover is actually pretty nice. We have Black Widow and Moon Knight being attacked by a bunch of Ultron robots. Moon Knight looks really cool. Um, in fact, this picture of Moon Knight is so far probably the best thing Hitch has done in the whole series. <laughs> but more on that later. Um, but it's, No, but I didn't mean that as a left-handed compliment or a backhanded compliment. Um, it's a really cool Moon Knight looks really cool it's really sweet and he's kind of yelling and his, his mask is partially ripped off so you see like his face or part of his face and he's got an M16 and he's going trying to go to town and then Black Widow looks pretty cool too but oddly enough you know a lot of times after comic book movies people will draw the characters to kind of look like their actor actress counterparts. You know, I remember you know, I remember for a while in the in the eighties, people drew uh, Bruce Wayne to look like Michael Keaton, or you know, some a few people, mostly just on on variant covers, uh, drew Wolverine to look like Hugh Jackman, and you know, so on and so on. I think think. Tony Stark doesn't look exactly like Robert Downey Jr., but, you know, some people draw him kind of that way. But that's a common thing in comic books. But on this cover, instead of Black Widow looking like Scarlett Johansson, I think she looks oddly a lot like Hilary Swank. Did anybody else see that at all? Or is that just me? But, um, anyway, we have, we have Black Widow and... And Moon Knight either kicking ass or about to be killed. Or maybe some combination of both. So remember in Age of Ultron book one, Ultron destroyed New York. Well now we start off in San Francisco today. And we see that Ultron's destruction 
is all over the country, or at least on the West Coast, and San Francisco is also in rubble and ruin. And we see a hooded woman walking through the streets, and we see uh, three Ultron sentries flying around. It seems like the Ultron robots always move in groups of threes. So that's interesting. They're flying around, and this woman encounters a guy with a gun. He wants her... He wants her to give him whatever she's got. She pulls off her hood and is Black Widow, but one of her eyes is completely scarred up and scaly and ruined. She looks, makes a really ugly face here. It, it makes her look pretty bad. And they kind of argue, and then he gets shot through the head. And we see that there's a sniper on the roof, and turns out it's Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight. So Scarlet Widow, not Scarlet Widow, Black Widow, rummages through the the dead man's pockets and she finds a bottle of water and some Twix. And so we see the Ultron robots kill some more people and Scarlet, why do I keep wanting to call her Scarlet anybody? Black Widow ducks into a safe house one of the Ultron robots kind of turns his head like he might have seen her go in. I mean, we don't find out this issue whether anything comes of that or not. Anyway, it's an old barber shop and Black Widow sits in a chair and the floor opens up and the chair slides down into a secret basement that belonged to Nick Fury during Secret Invasion. And he's got a big wall full of a bunch of heroes Probably trying to figure out who was a scroll and who wasn't. Black Widow and Moon Knight lament the situation. And Black Widow says this is the safest place. We can't go anywhere. Moon Knight wants to to move out and try to find other people, maybe other heroes. And they decide that if they're going to go out, they're going to take Ultron down with them. I think Black Widow says something about shoving a new cup Ultron's butt. So then we move to Central Park, comma, under it. And remember, the Avengers that are left are underground. So Spider-Man's there, and he's talking to the Avengers that are left about what's going on. And he tells them his name is Peter Parker, because they don't need to have secret identities anymore because the world's gone to hell. Which I thought was kind of weird. But it also makes it feel kind of weird, because if he says there's no reason for secrets, but he's Peter Parker... And when we see him, he's in Peter's costume as far as, like, the lenses on his eyes aren't the, the stick-out lenses from Superior Spider-Man. But then we have a Superior Spider-Man Age of Ultron issue. So I don't know what Spider-Man this is. It's really confusing. Um, maybe that'll be revealed. Maybe it won't. But is this actually Peter? Or is it Otto still in Peter? Or is he so adapted into that identity by this point, whenever this point is, that he thinks of himself as Peter? I I don't know. I have no clue. Anyway, Spider-Man, who acts more like our Peter Parker, our Spider-Man that we've had forever, you know, just kind of lamenting the situation. He says that he woke up and everything was going crazy. He had swept through the end of the world, he says. We get some really, on the plus side, we get really nice facial expressions from Hitch here in Peter's apartment. This whole 
It's like a double page spread that has like panels across the top and then the bottom half is a horizontal view of Ultron just starting to invade, slash, destroy New York and Spider-Man swinging through the skyline. This page, this whole double page spread is fantastic. It's great. Yeah. So, I'll get to that some more in a second when I talk about the art overall. But, um, it's really nice. Now, like I said, it looks like our amazing Spider-Man uniform. There's no toes, slits, in the footies. And the lenses look like the old Spider-Man classic lenses. So everything seems to point towards this being Peter Parker's Spider-Man having nothing to do with Superior Spider-Man. Anyway, Peter asks if it's just New York. And the Avengers are assuming that, that Ultron's gotten everywhere. That Washington, they know DC no longer exists. And we look around and it's just the Avengers. And another confusing thing, I don't... I can't tell which iteration of Beast we have here. It's like a cross between Cap Beast and old school Blue Beast. It doesn't look at all like the current Beast. Um, anyway, Spider-Man somehow got taken out by a white light, he says, and he got kidnapped and tortured. He woke up drugged and tied to a chair. And he says that he overheard that they were going to try, the Owl and Hammerhead were going to try to sell him to Ultron. The Avengers can't figure out why Ultron would be working with humans at all or why he would need them to help capture other humans. And we have our one Wolverine moment where he, he, he's the one that initiated the conversation. Because when P, he asked if Peter, if they said anything to Peter, why he was being held captive. And we do get a little bit, Peter's kind of a smartass with the when he answers the question. He's like... Well, Logan, if you think them telling me that they were going to sell me to the big robot is important, then yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of nice. Uh, kind of the classic antagonistic friendship that Wolverine and Spider-Man have. And they kind of needle each other. So Spider-Man asks what the plan is, and Iron Man says survive. And <laughs> Peter's like, that's not a plan. And Captain America, we get a voice off the side. No, it's not. That's because we didn't have a plan until now. And Captain America is kind of weakly standing up with holding his broken shield. And I feel like this is supposed to be a hoo-ah, like, yeah, moment. But it kind of falls flat, I think. But I think this whole issue kind of falls flat. So let's just get right to that. All right, art-wise, Hitch still, to me, is wildly inconsistent. There are pages in here that are awesome. Uh, the Spider-Man spread is fantastic. Moon Knight makes some good facial expressions. I will say I feel like the art's better than the first issue. I feel like it doesn't look as rushed. And we, we still get a lot of like typical Hitch details. And part of it, I think he's intentionally drawing things ugly because of the bleak future. But I don't know. You know, all right. So in comic books, there's kind of three levels of faces. There's like the way in the background faces where you just kind of have to draw the shape. And pretty much every artist can handle that okay. Because like I said, you're pretty much just drawing the shapes of faces and letting the colors and the inker kind of make a vague, like that looks like a person far away. Then you have close-ups, which some artists are good at, some aren't. Then you have kind of like a regular kind of medium-sized face on a page, 
where it's not way in the background, but it's not in the foreground. It's just kind of faces in space, so to speak. I don't really know. There's probably an artistic way to talk about this, and I don't know what that is, so I apologize. But just as far as perspective, you have stuff that's way in the background. Seems like it'd be pretty easy to draw because you just have to make vague shapes. You have faces way in the foreground that seems like it'd be really challenging to draw because you have to have details but not just way too many lines. But it needs to be nice details. You have faces that are just kind of neither in the foreground nor the background but are just kind of part of the panel. Okay, what I'm getting at is, to me, Brian Hitch, like I said, everybody can do the way in the background. Brian Hitch, to me, his strength, he's really good at drawing facial expressions and faces that are in the foreground, like that are the focus of the panel. Those faces always look really good. The faces that are just kind of there, I don't like the way he does that. I, I'm not going to say it's bad. It just seems like, I don't know, like, okay. For example, you have this page in Nick Fury's room, and we see a facial expression from Moon Knight that looks really cool. Now, granted, the wall is not supposed to be super detailed, but everybody on the wall just looks kind of okay. Like, no one looks that cool. It's not bad. It just doesn't look great. Right, another example. Um, Spider-Man in his apartment. His facial expressions look awesome. The Avengers in the tunnel. All just kind of look not that cool. And this picture of Quicksilver, I don't like that at all. I mean, it doesn't look like Quicksilver. And it's just, I don't know. It's... I don't know. And then this picture of Iron Man in the tunnel in his Tron suit. I don't... I don't know. It just doesn't... I don't know really what I'm trying to say. I just... I feel like there are strengths and weaknesses to Hitch's art. And it just seems to me to be still be a little bit inconsistent. But I think it was better this issue. Story. I'm way confused. Uh... I'm okay with, like, revealing how we got here over the course of the series. But I feel like we have nothing to go on. This whole Age of Ultron feels like it came out of nowhere. I, I kind of complained about that when we talked about book one. And there's no lead-up, and that's okay, but it, I'm just, I'm really confused. I'm confused by the Spider-Man thing. I'm confused by, by the version of Beast we have. Um, Wolverine's costume is a little confusing. It didn't look like straight Ultimate like it did in issue one, but it still doesn't look like anything he's wearing now. And it's still more gray and yellow, which is kind of an Ultimate thing. But then we have Sue Storm in the uh, Future Foundation costume. You know? And we have Captain America in the older Captain America. Well, the, the older modern one, so not the real soldier-looking one. That he has in Marvel now. So is this all pre-Marvel now? And there's not a Marvel now banner on it. So maybe it is. I'm just... I don't know. I'm really confused about the continuity. Where this falls. What it means. And I know we've been promised some really big answers to that. But I just don't know. And You know, I'm trying really hard to read it on its own merit. 
and assign it kind of a value in my head just based on what it is. The story it's telling and not... The continuity thing bothers me, but I'm trying not to focus on that. But if you take that away, all you're left with is a story where really nothing's happened in two issues. I mean, basically over two issues, Ultron has come back. He has laid waste to most of humanity and most of civilization. And things are really, really shitty. And that kind of sums up the first two issues. And we've met, we've kind of seen where some of our our heroes are. They're in hiding. We have some in New York, and now we meet some in San Francisco. But as far as developing and moving forward plot, I mean, you kind of have the vague, somewhat interesting story of, of Al and Hammerhead kidnapping Spider-Man, but and Clint going out of his way to rescue him. If anything, that was actually better than anything that happened in this issue, because really nothing happened. We find out the Black Widow and Moon Knight are in, are in California, and we find out that Spider-Man woke up, and everything's really bad, and at the end, Captain America has a plan. He's finally, getting, he's finally quit pouting. And he's figured something out, and he's going to save the day. Maybe. I don't know. I just the, the series still feels unimportant, and just based on its own merit, nothing, nothing's really happened. I'm a Bendis fan, but he's not really selling me on this through two issues so far. Um, I'm gonna stick with it because I just, even though he hasn't yet in the first two issues, I just have a feeling that Wolverine's gonna play a, a role. A significant role in this book before it's all said and done. So I'm going to write it out for you, the listener. But right now, this book is way underwhelming for me. Yeah, I probably actually... I thought like the art was a little better this issue and the story was a little worse. So, so average all that out. I'm going to give Age of Ultron book two, one out of three claws. I'm, I'm ready for this series to go somewhere. I'm ready for something to happen. I'm ready for at least, like, one answer. Just give me one answer to all the questions that this series has raised so far. Or give me a hint and a clue. And maybe I'll look back at these first two issues and see that some Easter eggs and some clues are in there. But right now, I'm confused, and I'm not that interested, and I'm kind of bored. (laughs) Just not make for a good comic book. Um, Yeah, so... uh, Age of Ultron, book two, I'm going to give one out of three claws. All right, well, that's that. Okay, so that's going to wrap us up for episode 21. Hope you enjoyed our special guest and our special look at Wolverine number one. I had a good time. So, of course, um, you can check out show notes on the website at www.snickcast.podbean.com. Be sure to leave us some reviews on iTunes. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash snit podcast fan page. You can email us at uh, snitcast at yahoo.com. I think that about covers it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, enjoy your day, night, or whenever this podcast finds you. And uh, I'm out. All right. Hugs and snicks. <laughs>